Adelante Leadership Podcast welcomes you. Bienvenidos to Adelante Leadership Season 3. It's my honor to work with my co-host, Peter Black Garcia. And I'm honored to work with my co-host, Tanya Hino. We're excited to be your co-host on these pláticas and conversations. In this season, we will have conversations with elders of Latine communities and with Latine youth leaders to learn how we all can weave our ancestors' knowledge together. Many leaders that we have interviewed in the past seasons of, of Adelante Leadership strongly believe that by weaving elder knowledge with youth knowledge, we will become a wiser Latine community. And Peter and I couldn't agree more. Let us learn from our elders and from our youth knowledge. Mark Magana is the founding president and CEO of Green Latinos, a national network of Latino environmental and conservation advocates. Mark is the first Latino to have served as a senior staff at both the White House and in the congressional leadership as special assistant to President Clinton for the White House Legislative Affairs and several other influential leadership roles at federal, state, and local levels. Mark also founded the National Latinos for Obama, in which he helped build a national grassroots organization and mobilization effort. He serves on the boards of the League of Conservation Voters, Green 2.0, and the Children's Environmental Health Network. Mark, welcome to Adelante Leadership. Sí, bienvenido, Mark. Gracias, I'm glad to be here. Mark, tell us a little bit about your story. I'm glad to be able to be talking on a podcast about leadership because I believe that leaders like the two of you who are able to get the word out to many people about leaders that are out there and the work they're doing are very important. Myself, my story, Mexican-American. I was born in Chicago, raised in Los Angeles. I moved to D.C. right after college. I spent 30 years working on Capitol Hill. I worked for uh, national Latino civil rights organizations like NALEO. Mm. I worked in congressional leadership as a senior floor staffer, and I served in the Clinton administration. My last job there was as special assistant to President Clinton for legislative mm. affairs at the White House. And after the Gore election overturned by the Supreme Court, I started my own consulting firm. And I got into the environmental policy world because Congress was considering cap and trade bill called Waxman-Markey, a uh, climate change bill. And I really noticed that there were no Latino voices in mm. that conversation, but yet there were Latinos that were working on the issue, but there was no hub mm. for Latinos, no home for Latinos. And so I was really moved by that issue and thought, I'm going to see if I can help coordinate to get Latino leaders at least to express their position and their, their the disproportionate needs of the Latino community when it comes to this piece of climate change legislation. And so we started as the National Latino Coalition on Climate Change. And then for me, really, the big moment in my history when it comes to this issue was in 2012, my first child was born. We rushed her to California to see my mother who was in the <laughs> hospital for leukemia. Oh, no. And so she, my mother, got to see her only grandchild at the time, blessed her, held her, sang to her, said she'd always watch over her. And then she passed uh, oh. a couple of days later. Oh but God. we were blessed to have that opportunity. And for me, that moment, as you know, can anyone would attest to having a child or having a parent die is life changing and sometimes life affirming. And so her message to my daughter, I'll, I'll always watch over you and I'll take care of you, conveyed to me and said, I, I need to make sure 
that I'm doing all I can on the issue that I believe is going to be the largest threat to my daughter and now my son's life, which is the climate crisis and the disproportionate effects of environmental degradation on our community. And so that was in started Green Latinos, changed the name to Green Latinos in 2013. Mm-hmm. And it really has been an opportunity for me to utilize my skills that I've learned in my career, uh, that I learned from my parents, from the community, from elders, to be able to um, resource and bring more leaders to the table when it comes to environmental justice, climate justice, and and conservation issues in our in our community. Wow, what a what a beautiful your story and how you got to where you are. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and and it's a good follow up actually. Our our next question is natural segue from what you were talking about, which is what has your leadership journey been, and what have you learned. Learned along the way about leadership? I mean, for me, a lot of my leadership journey was in the government sector. Mm. It was learning about how, what they say is how the sausage is made, right. really the inner workings, the dynamics, the negotiations, the trade-off, um, and how a leader takes, especially an elected leader or an appointed leader, takes the many viewpoints of who they represent, their constituency, and listens to them and meets with them and works with them to find solutions that can be affected, can be changed, can can actually be in place. And so for me, learning how to be that intermediary between my members members, constituents, and Congress, or the White House, or the administration, or other other leaders, funders, big green groups, and to be able to play that role of a leader that carries their voice um, and brings them to the table as well, to be able to address these issues that they're the leader in their community on. I'm, I'm, I'm not the leader in their community. They are. They are the frontline leader fighting for their clean water, their clean air, their access to clean transportation. For us, leadership to me means how do we we build the capacity for those leaders on the ground who are under-resourced, that are doing the hard work on the front line, and that are addressing the climate emergency in their neighborhoods. They are trying to repair the environmental degradation, the injustices in their communities. And so for me, leadership prepares others to be resourced to win their local battle, but also to join us to advocate on the larger federal battles to be able to really bring our community um, environmental liberation. Now, I know that you mentioned your mom has been a marking point in your uh, Latina leadership. Who else, an ancestor or elder that has made an impact in your Latina leadership, Mark? Um, I mean, you know, from growing up and being in California for much of my life during the time of Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta, and going through the different strikes and the boycotts of grapes and being able to really, for the only time in my life, hear about Latino leadership and Latino bravery and mm-hmm. sacrifices that they made really had a strong influence on me to say, you know, where we may not see we have power, farm workers, for instance, we have power. Mm-hmm. We have the power of people, as Dolores Huerta says. Mm-hmm. What kind of power? People power. Mm-hmm. And and that is so inspiring that change can happen. It not, doesn't demand money. Mm-hmm. It doesn't demand status. Mm-hmm. It just demands that the people stand up and demand their rights and demand change. And they do it. And sometimes it's oftentimes it's self-sacrifice, but I've seen it with them. I've seen it with environmental justice leaders like Robert Garcia, mm-hmm. uh, Ana Juan Barras, Elizabeth Yampierre, so many environmental justice leaders throughout the country who have been around, Richard Moore, that have been around for decades doing this work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. I met Richard Moore back in the day, also in, in New Mexico, fun fact. So 
what is some of the Latinate knowledge from our culture and traditions that you believe, Mark, we want to carry forward in our leadership and what do we need to leave behind? When I talk to Latino leaders and Latino community, and oftentimes they don't associate themselves as environmentalists, but they definitely associate themselves as someone who upholds the traditions of their grandmother and their tias when it comes to being steward of the land, Mm -hmm. of reusing, no waste, repurposing, fixing, recycling. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, because it was common sense and is common sense, and because it is and and was tradition, didn't seem like a movement. It's it's just part of our culture. You go to the fridge and you open uh, a margarine or a container tub, and you don't know what's in it because we reuse that container. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're, you're drinking out of jelly jars or out of Doña Maria jars. You know, you're cutting your napkins in half or using cloth napkins. I was talking to some members of Congress and other officials about some of the things that they do, and you know, things like putting a tub into the shower and using that water until it got warm (laughs) or cutting open a toothpaste so that you can get at the stuff on the inside. It's just, you know, another member of Congress was telling me about how after their receptions, they would wash out their plastic wear to reuse again. And their spouse hated that. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. So we have the culture and the tradition that establish us as environmentalists, as stewards of the land, as the leaders of this land of what if we'd been doing these types of actions the whole time, we wouldn't be in this mess. If we listen to indigenous leadership, if we followed our grandparents' way, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be, be so much wasteful consumption. Mm-hmm. And for for us to be able to really understand that that is who we are as uh, Latinos, that we're that we have to leave these qualities behind to our next generation mm-hmm. and and sustain them while we're alive. That's that's a huge culture and tradition that I want to carry forward and 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 leave behind and make sure that that we expand upon that to know that that we are the leaders that need to make this change right now. Mark, thank you for reminding me that we don't see that as we are environmental but we are leaving that already, that we have interviewed our Latin leaders struggle with the word leadership because we also embodied that in steward leadership. You are so right. And I remember in Mexico and I continue doing that and it feels like I'm hoarding stuff, but you're keeping all these boxes and you're keeping all these containers because you want to make sure you reuse them. You keep, you open gifts very carefully so you reuse the paper so you can use them again and and then when you're cutting a tomato you put tomato in a little cup so that you can plant those tomatoes and rehab more tomatoes. You don't go buy seeds in the market, no. or you don't go buy seeds in the store. And I, I remember how awkward it was for me to go buy seeds to plant a harvest because it was automatically you take seeds from your harvest and wherever food you're, food you're having, consuming, you plant them yes. so that you can have them. So thank you for reminding me about that, that it is true. It's part of our Latin culture already. Yeah, my grandmother used to reuse tape and <laughs> you, it was, you know, unbelievable that what she could do she could fix anything and and the things that we don't waste time fixing they it's just ah, i feel bad throwing things out now i i try to figure out what she, i was like what would grandmother do what would mama sita do and oh, so 
being able to follow that is amazing. Wow. I'll remind my children about that. It is so true because it, it becomes, it's kind of like osmosis, immersion of what everybody does in your culture. And you just continue doing it. And you're not teaching them. You just do it. And then they learn from you. So yes. Thank you and, so much. and even when, you know, sometimes wealth will discourage this time and, and encourage this cultural tradition and encourage consumerism or waste. But we see that like when we have these traditions like uh, like making menudo, yeah. we, we can <laughs> afford maybe to have to put ground beef in it or steak even, but we still put tripe in there because that's their tradition. And we use all the parts of the animal. You're right. And, and so being able to say, even if we can't afford something, we need to still respect those traditions. Yeah. I mean, chilaquiles is, I mean, now they're using from, <laughs> from, uh, from chips, but it used to be the leftover tortillas that tortillas. were all tortillas that were not used <laughs> in your meal you keep them and then you make chiquilaquiles yes. and now they're you know they go buy a bag of chips and yep. then they add salsa i'm like what can you <laughs> yep. yes thank you thank you you have a long leadership in politics in the national and in the local level how does these experiences have shaped your leadership and practice today yeah i do think that being able to as i said earlier how the sausage is made how it works inside the room how how our laws are made, how decisions are made at the highest level has allowed me to understand what forms of power can affect change, whether that is power of people to be able to have their voice heard, whether that's through large scale marches or act, or whether that's through letter writing campaigns or calling or building one-to-one -one relationships with these people. What work? How do we, in the end of the day, affect the change that we want to see in our community and, and be smart about it and, and build campaigns that can reach leadership and their their eyes and their ears and 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 then change their mind? How do we tell the story of our communities, of our frontline communities? How do we make sure that our frontline leaders are in front of the, the, the real leaders that are experiencing the lead in their water, mm. the polluted air that are experiencing truck emission in the mm. freeways they live next door. How do we make sure that their story, their real life situation are there told to these elected and appointed officials so that they can really feel the, mm -hmm. the depth of the need, the depth of the hurt, depth mm -hmm. of the cause and, and live with it. And Mark, you're the founding president of Green Latinos and currently still the CEO, I think. Yes. And tell us about your work and leadership journey in that arena. It's been very interesting because very few people are ever taught how to be a manager before they have failed to be a manager. <laughs> it's like, that's the point where they're like, oh man, I got to take a class or I got to, I got to take a seminar or I got to learn how to be a manager because it did not work this time. And so for me, it was always a situation where I never really learned how to be a manager formally. I had managers that I took some lessons from that I absorbed what they did, some of the good, some bad. But I think for me, leadership, a lot of it was both absorbed from others who I was, who I was worked with or worked alongside, but also was a thing that I had to learn from staff. I had to take classes. I had to really figure out what it means to be strategic, what it means to be a good manager and listen, and what it means to be fair and equitable and uh, really have an organization that can be nimble and responsive and effective by having both long-term planning and a strategic plan and a North Star, but also by being able to be quick to address things and be responsive. So for me, we were, we were an organization of two, three, four people for the first 10 years. And it wasn't until 
Trump became president and then the pandemic hit that we really we passed a strategic plan that said we need to grow. We need mm. to grow in our ability to support the community, bring resources to the community. And since the pandemic, we've grown to 30 staff now. Wow. And more than 20 times the budget and really have been able to deliver for our community and for the other leaders out there to deliver resources and convene our community and, and add to the power of our voice. Oh, wow. That's great. So great to hear that you are are growing. Mark, how do you encourage Latina leaders to step into their leadership? I think the, the best way I do that is to really try to dig into a couple things. One is try to figure out what they believe is their strength, mm -hmm. both inherent and learn from education, from experience and from who they are, and then dig into what their aspirations are mm. and figure out how we can make their job or the things that they do fit into their aspiration mm. and say, okay, um, you work on X, Y, Z, but your aspirations are A, B, C, and this is how they can fold in X, Y, Z. And so you can be able to really follow your dream and say, this is what I want to build. Because I, I, I never find that giving people the time to follow their dreams alongside the job to make mm. their job fit their dream ever is a waste of time. It just motivates them to do more. Mm. It's not doesn't take up valuable time. It adds to their mission. It adds to their drive. And so being able to really talk to people, mm -hmm. find out where they sit what motivates them, what their dreams are, what their vision is for their future. Mm -hmm. And then work with that is mm -hmm. always powerful to say, okay, this is the area where you are going to be a leader mm -hmm. and you are going to make your name in this area. Mm -hmm. And that is exciting. Incredible. I love your answer. I just wish all leaders believe in spending quality time with everybody and connecting. If you could rename leadership in the Latinx culture, what would you call it? I would call it service. You, know, you have to be a leader, you have to serve others. There's no reason why if you're not going to be someone like the people I mentioned earlier, to take the risks, to not just ask other people to take the risks, mm. to be out front, mm. to face the dogs, face the water hose, be on the bus, <laughs> take the hunger strike, and find a way that you can use your skills to serve others, to expand in their work. That's how by creating leaders and by creating resource entities and campaigns, that's leadership, is, mm. is the leadership of service. service. Thank you. Mark, who's a Latine youth leader that maybe inspires you or has influenced your leadership? Most recently, I followed a young Latina named Nadeli Gobo. She's in LA. She is a cancer survivor mm. who lived near oil and gas uh, drilling and was able to fight and organize and use her skills and her voice to stop the drilling in her neighborhood mm. in Los Angeles. And we honored her with an Emerging Leader Award. Mm. Yeah during Hispanic Heritage Month, during our Green Latinos Live Awards show. And she's been someone who I've admired and her, her, her courage, her leadership in the face of her health difficulties of having the energy and the fight to be able to win against a much, a much larger and more powerful and resourced um, enemy, uh, the oil and gas industry, and wow. be able to come out the, the victor is, is amazing. That's wonderful. Mark, tell me, what would you tell Latin leaders that are young and that are emerging? What would be your advice as a older leader? Hmm. I would say, adelante, keep going. You are 
great. You are smart. You 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 come into this world assuming that you can do anything you put your mind to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be overwhelming to manage to deal with people who think that way. But you really have the gumption to say, I, I don't believe there should be guns in the school. So I am going to take this on ourselves. I believe we should have uh, that dreamers should be protected. So we're going to take it on ourselves. I, we believe that government should be protecting us from climate. So we're going to take it on ourselves. Mm-hmm. The young leaders don't wait for others to take on their issue. Mm. They take it on themselves. And so that bravery, that ability to utilize social media, to utilize communication tools, to organize is one that I'm just I'm I'm behind and saying, let's go. Yeah. Um, vamos together. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the thing that I tell them, a couple things that are sad and difficult, but they're the reality. A Chinese proverb that says, May you live in interesting times. Mm-hmm. And it's both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yes. And we are living in interesting times. Yep. We are living in what I call a documentary moment. Yes. Not, you know, not an existential moment in our history where just like the people who stood up bravely for civil rights or to end slavery or to give women the right to vote or to you know give farm workers right this is a moment when we are going to have to not just watch it on TV our history channel a documentary but know exactly what we would do if we live during that moment because we're living in that moment mm. and and to be able to unfortunately be the first generation to feel the effects of the climate crisis and the last generation to be able to stop it mm-hmm. is overwhelming. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so to keep your energy, keep up your health, mm-hmm. keep up your, be inspired and know, know that what you're doing now, your next generation, your children, your cousins, your mm-hmm. nephews and nieces will look at you and say, what did you do when you had mm-hmm. a chance? Mm-hmm. Did you stand up for us? Mm-hmm. Did you, did you march on the bridge? Mm-hmm. Did you get on the bus? Did you face, you know, your fears. Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to say, mijo, mija, I, I, I was there and, and you were on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Gracias. And Mark, do you have any thoughts or ideas on how we in the Latinx community can do a better job weaving youth leaders with elder leadership knowledge and experience? That is, that's an excellent question. And they've all been great questions, but I really feel this is something that needs to be addressed because I feel that there are both of those things are very strong in our community, meaning youth leadership and elder knowledge Mm -hmm. and experience. And I really feel remiss in saying that I, I haven't really recognized the importance of making an extra effort to see how that can come together. Mm -hmm. What I do see, and I love when I see it, is I see table in our community, meaning like a dinner table or at a restaurant where we have multi-generational households. Mm -hmm. Our grandparents live with us. And because of that, thankfully, we do absorb some of their knowledge and their wisdom. But just like our cultural uh, practices when it comes to reuse and repurpose and recycling, Mm -hmm. that multicultural household, the multicultural living together and, and socializing together, I fear starts to die off. Yes. As we become acculturated, as we become lose our culture and and, and I, I I worry that that once distinct source of knowledge, passing on knowledge and expertise starts to die with it. Yes. So I think we need to be more purposeful on how we bring together youth leadership and elder knowledge in our communities. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that we wanted to focus on these kinds of questions mm-hmm. in season three. Yeah. Uh, it came up in season two about this gap between we have some incredibly talented, ambitious, and dedicated youth leaders for many of the issues that you've mentioned before. And then there's sort of a, a gap between between those of us who 
have been around the block a few times, right? Um, <laughs> and yep. to, to be more intentional on it. So I don't know that anybody has answers to how, but I was just curious if you had any thoughts on that, right? You know, I really do believe that, like I said, it has to be an intentional. Yeah. We have to, we have to uh, pull together opportunity for work the communication opportunities that allow us to understand each other. I think generations often, especially generations with as distinct changes as we have had over the last 60 years with communication, knowledge yeah. that it really has made for a, a natural division, natural separation. And so how do we make sure that we find a way yeah. to try to understand each other? Because that's that's huge. Yeah. That's a huge block right there. It's just people like, I don't understand Gen Z. Yeah, not. exactly. And thinking that they just won't be able to well you need to try exactly need to talk more and so and so that that's i think that's going to be that's something that is piquing my interest mark is it's kind of like what you said that we need to be intentional when we have an endangered species we make an effort to make sure we don't keep hunting them right yeah and conserve them our traditions are becoming endangered and uh it's really important that we become very intentional about teaching them and yes. and reproducing and making an effort to make this circle so that we can pass it on and not forget what where we come from yes. anything else mark that we haven't asked that you would like to comment on or mention? I, I do think that in each of us, there is desire to serve others, serve our community, to make things better for not just our family, but those around us, and to find ways to bring out the skills, the magic in each of us, to be able to say, all right, this is this is who you are. You are a introvert who likes to be behind a computer, who likes to do ABC. You're a different type of leader. Mm-hmm. You may not be the traditional leader that's giving speeches on the mound and... <laughs> Um, and leading the march, but you're a leader in your segment. And mm -hmm. so by utilizing the word leadership, people think of a traditional model, but that's not mm -hmm. necessarily true. Like you asked, mm -hmm. what's a different way of phrasing leader? It's servant. Mm -hmm. So how do we utilize our skills so that we can be the servant for those around us and for the future generation mm -hmm. um, is going to be, makes each of us the leader in our community. Totally. Well said. Mark, thank you so much for scheduling time and giving of your time and sharing your knowledge and your experience with us and all of the people who listen to this episode. That's just Peter. That's just Tanya. Muchas gracias. Appreciated this conversation. It's important to talk about leadership. It's important to talk about uh, future generation and to let people know that when we see something, when we want to make the change, it's not waiting for someone else. Mm -mm. It's we need to be part of that part of that change, and and we all have it in us to do that. So thank you. Mucho we hope you enjoyed this episode with Mark Magana. Join us for the next episode with Angela Armandaris, an inspired and inspiring Latin youth leader sharing her knowledge from lived experience. We welcome your comments on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Apple. For more resources and information, visit our website at www.adelanteleadership.com. We invite you to reflect on an elder or ancestor that had an impact in your life. And we invite you to think of a youth that changed your way of thinking for the better. Muchas gracias por escuchar Adelante Leadership Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and stepping into your Latin leadership.